Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm here with Rebecca Sebastian and we're going to be talking all about the state of health and wellness. What a great topic and I can't wait to dive into it. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life Magazine and The Brain Health Magazine, and I am author of The Chair Yoga Pocket Guide, due out in April. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Rebecca Sebastian, and she is a longtime yoga teacher, an 11-year yoga therapist, co-founder of a yoga nonprofit, and the founder and owner of an accessible and inclusivity-focused yoga studio and apothecary in Davenport, Iowa, called Sunlight Yoga and Apothecary, and she is the host of the podcast, Working in Yoga. She She is a passionate writer on yoga and participates and loves all things yoga and the yoga industry. She believes that through talking to each other, writing, and communication, we can all lift each other up and share what lights us up in the world. If you want to get nerdy about the yoga and wellness industry, chat about the best tea blends, and deconstruct everything we thought we knew, she is your human. This is true. Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Rebecca. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me, Amy. Well, I am excited to chat about this. We had just chatted the other day on the phone about something totally else. Um, and we thought this would be a really great topic to talk about today, the state of health and wellness. And, you know, we're kicking off the new year and, you know, people have resolutions or goals or whatever you want to call them. And, um, you know, I thought it was just a good time of the year to chat about this. And, um, you know, we're, we're bouncing back off of a pandemic. And, uh, you know, I just had an event that I haven't had for three years. I, I hadn't seen people in three years. So yeah, it's been a long, it was supposed to be three weeks, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, we were all going to learn how to make sourdough and be our most glorious selves. And then we were going to go back to life as it was. No big deal. <laughs> it's really interesting how the world has changed. And as the owner of Minnesota Yoga Life magazine, and I talk with studio owners on a very regular basis, and it's been so interesting to hear how people are coming back to in-person classes, but not in the same capacity. A class that used to have 30 now has maybe 10 people. Meanwhile, Lifetime Fitness or other like gyms are full. So it's it's been interesting to me to see how this has totally shifted post-pandemic. What What are you seeing and noticing? So I see the same thing. I see mostly people are coming to yoga for different reasons. Mm-hmm. To some extent, when I started my studio pre-pandemic, six months before we shut down, I was the only person within what felt like a bazillion miles who was talking about inclusivity or accessibility or all bodies being welcome. Like yoga was still very much that 
like bendy, tiny people kind of practice in my area. And all of a sudden with the pandemic, all of a sudden that has shifted. The people who I see coming back are people who want to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel like we all need yoga right now. (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) because I've read all different sorts of research about how we're entering another pandemic. We're entering, um, or maybe it was an epidemic. We're entering a, a mental health epidemic now because of a result of being in isolation and, and the pandemic. So, I mean, what better tool for our mental health than yoga? And, and unfortunately, you know, it's sort of been marketed in the West as an exercise class. And you and I both know that that's not the true depth of yoga. Um, And, and so I think you're right. The people who are coming back are the ones who are more in it for the mental health and the spiritual benefits of yoga versus just the exercise. Yeah. I don't have to sell it anymore. Like I don't have to go, well, you know, over and over again, we could be doing something else or that, that sort of lighthearted feeling you feel at the end where you feel connected to the people in your class and you feel connected to your teacher. Like I I used to have to remind people that that happened because they came into class because they wanted to be bendy or they wanted to be able to run more, but now it's like totally different. And you've said something that's really important is I do think we are going to be seeing, and there's so much talk in the wellness world and in the healthcare world about people suffering the effects of loneliness. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and one thing that, yoga studios are really amazing at is creating community us boutique studio owners those people who are you know i just have one location and i know all my members by first name and i likely know their kids and the fact that one of them has a birthday in january and celebrates it all month like we know (laughs) those things we've created that like community building aspect and i think as far as studios go that's one thing that we do that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my last podcast um, last week was with Allison Russell and talking Yay. about community, right? And yeah. just how our health, like, it's just, it's ingrained in us, right? Like, if you go back to the Neanderthal days, right? We lived in community. Yeah. Um, and so community is just part of us. And throughout the pandemic, yeah, you might have had an online community, but it's just not the same as that in-person, you know, being able to hug and and look in each other's eyes, right? It's just not quite the same. And I think those of us who operate in both the online space and the in-person space, as I do, like, we can create that community community online, but there is a lot more effort that goes into that. Like, we really have to be diving into those virtual communities, making sure people feel seen and connected in virtual spaces instead of just expecting like to lift a yoga class up and drop it online and expect people to have the same experience. They're not, they're turning their cameras off and going to feed their cat and getting a cup of tea and then coming <laughs> yes, back. Like, yes. like, like community can happen virtually. It's just, we have to be putting the effort in to make that happen. And the same way that I put the effort in to make sure that you know, I know when Kathy's anniversary is, and I know when Jenny's birthday is, you know, like those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think the online, the virtual yoga classes, I do see a benefit that came out of it was that 
when you're in an in-person class, some people feel like they have to try their very hardest to get to the full expression of the pose. Yeah. Where when they're on a camera and they're just this tiny little square that people really can't see during class, they're much more willing to use that block or to use a chair. And I think yeah. that we're seeing that carry over into person classes now, right? Like there's not that competitive feeling. Um, and I think that is one silver lining we did get from the pandemic. I totally agree. So I have a good friend, my friend Steph Tensor runs an Iyengar focused yoga studio in Canada. And she moved a lot of her work online. And it was one of the things that she and I were talking about while we were both shut down, you know, 2020, 2021, is that we say as teachers that we want people to feel how they're feeling on the inside. And virtual yoga has just forced us to really put our money where our mouth is in that way. Like our cues are different. How we're talking to people is different because they can't, maybe they can see us move, but not in the same way they can if she's like five feet from me. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think that that's been a powerful change Um, and something that I really hope sticks, right? Like, because yoga is not about competition. It's, I mean, it's, it's like the antithesis or, you know, like it's the opposite. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you're so right. Like, what are you feeling on the inside? And, you know, like, if you're not feeling it today and want to just lay down for the whole class, that's cool. But people, when they're in person, they don't always feel that they can do that. They feel that somebody's going to look at them and judge them. And again, that's, not at all what yoga is about. So, I mean, I'm, I would just be thrilled that they're laying on the floor in my studio, right? (laughs) That they thought they felt safe enough and secure enough that they could come and do that. Yeah. It's really, the virtual has shifted. I think for both in person, you're right. And virtually it's shifted the power dynamic, right? Like it used to be everybody felt so accountable to me in the front of the room. Like what you did meant like big accountability to what I was doing and how I was presenting myself. Like I went through a lot of years teaching where I was trying to remove myself from people's practices. So like bit by bit, little by little, I was trying to take myself out of their experience. And I started, and this was like before it became trendy, but I just realized I couldn't touch people anymore because the minute I came and physically moved people, I was inserting myself in their experience. So I stopped manually adjusting. I stopped having a yoga mat so that people couldn't look to that mat in the front of the room and expect to be doing what I was doing. But virtual, I mean, I should have just been online and virtually in like 2009. (laughs) That was really, virtual did that in a heartbeat. You know, you just brought up something that I think isn't talked about enough. So I did my teacher training through Alana Kaivalya. she, her, so in your training, you were not allowed to teach at the front of the room and do the poses. You had to walk around the room and just audibly give your cues. Like your cues should be good enough that people can get into the pose. And if you notice that they're struggling, you should change your cues or at that point, maybe show them. Right. But the point is you're not in a hierarchy because when you're in the front of the room, you're in a hierarchy. You, you, it, it's just inevitable. You're the teacher, they're the student and they're watching you. And, you know, I think that that's something that's really missing and most teachers don't know how to teach that way. So I am grateful that that is how I learned how to teach. 
and the the confused <laughs> some of the people that were in my training were just like but I don't get it like you stand in the front and teach that's how you teach and it's like that's just like been the story we've told <laughs> ourselves over the years right like so I I feel blessed that I have that training but I think that virtual yoga kind of took some of the hierarchy out of there although I will say I do do more I am sitting in my chair doing the poses with them more in virtual than not but I mean I think you know where I was going with that like it's it's it, it took that hierarchy out it did. And I think, like you said, um, that skill set of being able to verbally instruct people without having to show them every single everything or, uh, and I was my original teacher training in 2003, maybe 2003, 2004. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I was a Nyangar teacher. We manually moved people. If you weren't in the right spot, my hands right. and sometimes my foot were physically moving your body into where the quote unquote correct position was. And so to be able to strip that part out of teaching, I mean, that's really hard if you're an Ashtanga based yoga teacher, mm -hmm. an Iyengar based yoga teacher, anything that relies heavily on manual manipulation, like your words have to level up for the virtual playing field. Like instead mm -hmm. of being like, oh, just do this. And if you're not there, I'm going to, you know, externally rotate your shoulder and put my foot in your hip and then you'll get there. Like you have to tell them what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I did learn adjustments. I haven't done many adjustments just because it's mostly put online. Right. Yeah. And I've had so many students because all my classes are online right now. Um, I've had so many students tell me like, gosh, I don't even have to like look up from the computer. Your cueing is just so good that like, I don't even have to look at you to see what to do. Um, and that, that's really how your cueing should be. Um, and the, the whole manual adjusting, you know, I think there is still a place for it because like some people have never gotten into the pose correctly, I guess you could say. And like just feeling what that should feel like can help you like get into that next time. Um, so I do think there's still place for that, but obviously we want consent too, right? Like, I don't think that's yeah. talked about enough either in teacher training. Um, I was surprised when I did my summer yoga at the river, I had a different teacher each week and I was surprised how many of the teachers just went around and lightly adjusted people without asking first. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. My studio, I think, you know, this is something I've been going back and forth since 2019 when I opened, I think we're moving to straight out touchless experiences. And, and I always had told myself that I wasn't going to do that because I didn't want to inhibit my teachers. Right. So I didn't want to tell them how to do their job. I hired them to be good at their job. But what I had found is recently I've had somebody who came in who was a heavy adjuster and my whole audience was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, danger. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, the people I'm talking to, the people who are hearing words like accessibility and inclusivity are expecting a touch-free experience. So in my space, I'm going to maintain that. And if I have teachers who do want to touch, we're going to put it in the description. This is a teacher that that does manually adjust and they'll have to have chips. They'll have to get consent every single time for every single pose. You consent to one, you don't consent to them all. You just consent yes. to the one. Yep. 
And I've seen some really creative ways of doing that, you know, with like a, a token or something that yeah. one side maybe says yes. And one side says no or whatever. And at any time in class, you can flip it the other way. And, you know, I think that's a great way that they're constantly in control of their consent. Because I have been adjusted in the past. I've had a shoulder injury. The teacher doesn't know that. And my arm's not fully out. And the teacher comes and I'm like, you know, like, I mean, you just, you have to know. And you don't always know. So, yeah, I've totally, I mean, and I didn't have an injury and I had um, what you would call like a bad adjustment, so to speak. And this was in my twenties, right? Somebody, we were doing down dog. We were using the wall as down dog. So our hands were on the wall and he came through and externally rotated my shoulders and you could just hear the pop as the muscle rolled over the bone and the bone adjusted in the wrong way. And for years, that spot felt very sensitive because of that adjustment and I still hear those stories of somebody who a long time ago, when we were all up in people's business a lot more, right. like saying, oh, yeah, so-and-so adjusted me, you know, at this class at, you know, the gym or wherever. And I won't go to their their class now. Like 15 years later, I don't want to see them because of this mm-hmm. situation. And that teacher was likely doing what they were taught. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Not Right. And that that's you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, that that's absolutely what was taught. Yeah. I love the shift. I love the change Mm -hmm. and thanks virtual for making it feel that we can say that like now people don't expect that adjustment. Thanks yoga with Adrian for being everybody's (laughs) entry level point where she's not going around adjusting her millions of viewers, you know, she's telling them what they, what their body should be moving in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, let's kind of move shift, shift topic here a little bit. But, you know, we were talking prior about just the shift too, and like, I hate to say it out loud, but you know, like, we might be coming into a recession. I, you know, yeah, the big (laughs) R, Um, you know, and, and there's been signs of it. And definitely, there's a lot of inflation, no doubt, right? Um, eggs are seven fifty. All right. All the memes out there about the eggs are just cracking me up. But um, anyway, find a but local I'm farm. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Unintentional there. That was a good one. Um, go find a local farm and get your eggs. Um, but um, we were talking before about how you know the first thing people cut from their budget tends to be health and wellness. Yes, and it just, it, it's like almost the opposite of what it should be, right? Like you almost need to start investing more in your health and wellness. Um, and, and, and you, you would never stop getting your oil changes in your car or your tire rotations. You wouldn't stop maintaining your car, right? So yeah. why do we stop maintaining our bodies? Our bodies are our car, right? Uh, to some degree. Um, and it, it just kind of, is baffling in some regards, but yet at the same time, I get it. Like you're overwhelmed and you got to cut money somewhere. Um, you know, so like, what are some ways we can combat this as small businesses, um, to help shed light on how important it is to stay on top of your health and wellness? Like, don't, don't just cut that, cut out, maybe going out to eat or getting your Starbucks, right? Like there's other things we can cut out here. 
Well, I think that the reason why people cut health and wellness first and every marketing person I've ever spoken with is like, look, this is just the reality. Health, wellness, fitness, it gets cut first. It gets cut before restaurants. It gets cut before Starbucks. It gets yep. cut before those other things. People are like, oh, I don't need my gym membership or I don't need my yoga studio membership. And I feel like part of the reason why that is is because we feel the brunt of how we've marketed this for so long. Mm. We have marketed yoga like a luxury extra instead uh-huh. of just a life necessity. Like, like, look, do you want to feel better about life? I've got something for you. Come move with me on your mat. I'm going to teach you how to downregulate your nervous system. I'm going to tell you all sorts of good ooey gooey things about how you're a worthy human being just for being there. But we've marketed like we're some sort of glorious extra, right? That an extra that happens on the beach on vacation in a cute little right. We're like like adventure travelers kind of things, and now we feel the result of that. So the first thing we need to do is market differently. We need to market like we're a necessity, not an extra. Like if I can tell you that for $67 or $77, you could take your family of four out to dinner once at a fairly cheap place for a family of four to eat for 80 bucks. um, Or you could come take six classes at my studio in that month. Maybe that, get you to think in your brain, well, gee, that's once a week that I could come and feel better. That's that one time a week then makes the rest of my week feel better because I've, because I've come there. I want to tell you that you're not an extra humans are not like your care. Isn't a luxury. It's a necessity. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of moms are going to look at that and go, oh, well, my whole family benefits from going out to eat that one time. It's just me that benefits from the yoga. But I think we need to shift that thinking too. Because <laughs> it's it's just like, I know, right? It, yeah. It's just like the whole on the airplane, right? Put your oxygen mask on before those around you. Yeah. And if your cup isn't full, you can't pour from it. Therefore, yeah. you can't help your family like feel good if you're not feeling good. And I just, I I watch my mom friends just struggle with this. It's true. And I mean, I'm a mom as well. And I've, you know, I feel like the discussion about self-care, a and, and, you know, I have a lot to say about the self-care space <laughs> anyway, but like we've sort of swung from pendulum to pendulum. Like you're either a deep narcissist who is only doing things for yourself at the expense of everybody else or you're deep, you have some sort of deep sacrifice martyr kind of situation where you're only doing things for other people. Like, what if we imagined a third way where sometimes other people get cared for and sometimes you get cared for and maybe we're all in this little like messy life thing together. And it's not that your job as a mother is to sacrifice who you are for the other people maybe that's like a co-relationships where we're all just supporting each other the way that hopefully you support your friends or other people who you don't like live with or sleep with, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're going and saying like, look, we're, I want you to feel better. I also want me to feel better. And my priority doesn't have to be above or below yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just that whole People think self-care is a luxury. 
And and again, I think that goes back to marketing. Like you were saying before, we, it's <laughs> been marketed it's as a luxury. But self-care is a necessity because if we aren't taking care of our wellness, we'll have we'll be forced to take care of our sickness, right? Yes. yes. And I love that analogy. It, it's just so accurate. Um, and, you know, we're so good at just ignoring pains and other signal like like what does yoga teach us yoga teaches us to listen to our body because our body tells us everything but we're so good at ignoring it right yes I mean it's it's interesting how you've said that like it is true we have to invest in ourselves because and and I see a lot of my yoga therapy clients I see and we talk about self-care in fact it's one of the things I probably obsessively bring up with my clients is how are you caring for yourself and I don't mean and I don't mean how do you go out for lunch with your girlfriends or get your nails done or take a you know, a spa weekend. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking like practical ways that you can nourish your own cup. And so people either think that self-care is this like really expensive luxury or they confuse self-survival. Like if you're very sick, I know lots of people have long haul COVID or who have had the flu and are just like, I just have to do these little things to get through the day. I'm not, I'm also not saying get through the day stuff either. I'm saying like, what do you do to care for yourself? How are you thinking about yourself in relationship to other people? Are you putting as much energy in your happiness and joy as you're putting into other people's happiness and joy? That's different than being like, I have to sit down because I'm sick and I need to sit down. Those are different conversations. Right. Right. And I think that's a great clarification as well. Um, and I mean, I just, I like going back to some of my mom friends, like I just watch them. They're so stressed out. And they are of course the ones I cannot get to come to my yoga classes. Um, and I'm like, seriously, this will help you. And I, I can't get it. I can't figure out like what it is that, that like deters them that they think they can't do it, but, um, or that it won't help them. Um, but it, it is, it's like, we really, we have to take care of our wellness or we'll be forced to take care of our sickness and um, sickness don't care. Right. And, mm-hmm. and by sickness, I mean, any sort of chronic injury, illness, disease. Um, and the one I'm seeing the most is just chronic stress yeah. and, and can't figure out why I can't shed any weight or why I'm lethargic all the time. I have no energy. It's like, well, you're stuck in fight or flight and your cortisol levels are sky high. <laughs> Come see me. We can get those down. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not saying yoga is a magical pill, but it's definitely should be one of the tools in your toolkit. Yeah. I've started with my mom friends. Sometimes I will say, I want you to love you as much as I love you. And that's, that's one of the things yoga helps with. That's like when you can come out and feel that you are a magical being of stardust and glory, mm-hmm. unicorn, glorious unicorn, the way you feel that about your kids. Yeah. Because without a doubt, you look at your kid, even if they've just like scribbled on your wall or done something stupid, you're just like, oh my gosh, that was a poor decision. You magical, glorious unicorn. <laughs> like, I want you to feel that about you the way that you feel about them. 
Mm-hmm. And then like, what an amazing thing to model for your children, that, that journey of self-love, like that's where, that's where I get the moms. Right. So we know children learn best, not by words, but by modeling behavior. And there's a whole lot of, if you ever really want to get nerdy about it, you can like educators have done research for decades about how modeling behavior is what really makes a difference for your children. Like what a gift you've given your kids to have them watch you go through this journey of loving yourself and caring deeply for yourself. You don't want your daughter to be 20 and feel like what a woman is, is the story of self-sacrifice and self-flagellation. Like, please don't gift that to her. Gift her something else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so well said. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Well, Rebecca, this has been a great conversation and we're just about out of time. So I want to make sure we mention your website. And so wherever anyone's listening, you can go in the show notes, find the clickable link, but it is workinginyoga.com. And tell us a little bit about what people can find there, how they can work with you. I know you also have a retreat coming up. I do. Yes. So workinginyoga.com is my podcast. And especially if you're a yoga professional out there listening, come connect with me. Like I cannot talk enough about how I want us to change how we work within this industry. And and also from there, you can link to the sunlight yoga, uh, the sunlightexperience.com, which is my yoga studio, which is both virtual and in person. And I have an apothecary there. So I custom blend teas and we sell herbs. And through that, we're doing a retreat. We're going to Panama in October of 2023, and we're going to stay on a semi-private island. And if you ever wanted to stay in a space like over the water, like you see all those like little cabanas Uh, over the water, uh we're going, we're going to like unplug and relax and play in the sand and watch sea turtles hatch. Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) I just want you all to come so that I can see sea turtles hatch. That's what I'm saying. That's awesome. Anything else you want people to know? I know you also do one-on-one um, yoga therapy sessions too, right? I sure do. I do virtual and in-person yoga therapy sessions. If you're interested in hearing my methodology about self-care, I make it really practical. I give you practical steps on how we care for ourselves. You can always find my work there. I'm working in yoga.com. I even have a free webinar that lists the framework on there. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here today. This has been great conversation. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover this podcast. And head over to mnyogalife.com and join our email list to stay in the know of our local events and the upcoming Minnesota Yoga Conference. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.